Guys, welcome to this episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. I'm so excited to be joined by our creative director, Rebecca Ross Galinsky. I still have such a hard time. Like, you're Rebecca I mean, Ross. Technically forever. not legal, Galinsky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I haven't made it to the offices yet. In whatever, how many years it's been, like four years. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, today I think everybody's in for a really big treat. You know, one of the things that we've over the years, you've helped so many of our clients work on is building their brand and it could be a brand new lease up new construction I know you've had plenty of those but you've also worked with many clients in when they're trying to reposition an asset or they're rebranding maybe new management new ownership and I know that over the years you've kind of seen some challenges that clients face and we talk all the time like man if we could just give them kind of like an easy blueprint to get there quicker and talk about what's really important so I'm excited to dig into that today. And I know you have five essential pieces that we're going to be sharing to building almost like a new age or a, a brand brand guideline for this for this day and time. So welcome. Hello. <laughs> okay. So when it comes to creating a brand and you're first working with a client, how does the process even start? Like what do you normally, how does this, how does this work? I think obviously the first part is really deciding on like what the direction is going to be in terms of the style, sometimes the name, um, and just the overall vibe of the apartment. A lot of the times when we enter the picture, we're already in construction, like the mood boards are already set, you know, like the, you know, community room is going to look like the community room with the furniture. So we're usually coming in after you know foundation is laid we already have interior boards so we're really trying to just match and really accent and bring to life that brand through other pieces of design okay so that's that's specific to like a lease up or a new construction when somebody is in a rebrand phase how do they typically approach a project is this kind of like they're like we just need help we want a new look yeah, sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why someone would want to rebrand. I would say the number one is when like a new management company takes over and maybe the older community had just needs a bit of a refresh. Maybe the logo is looking a little old and they just want to kind of bring it to life and they're just going to add a little bit of fresh paint, maybe a little new accents in terms of pillows, but they're not going to totally just like knock it all down and re right. rebuild. Um, so we'll kind of come in while they're still getting their interior plans together. And sometimes what happens in those situations is the ideas that we have from a branding perspective, like the new color palette, the new look of the logo, that will actually impact some of the changes they're going to make on the interior side to some of the more common areas or even the interiors of the actual units. So I think it's fair to say that we've worked with clients that either come with a very definitive idea of what they want and we just kind of bring that to life through a creative process and then we work with clients that have have some inspiration but they really don't know exactly what they want to do and we've worked with all different clients and there's different challenges that present themselves what are some of the common challenges or things that hold up a project that you see from the vendor side that you think could be helpful for those on the outside to know as they're kind of preparing for this type of a project? For sure. Sometimes I think the biggest change or thing that I, I would really strive for people on the other side to think about is you do not want too many cooks in the kitchen. More isn't always more. <laughs> Sometimes when you have too many opinions and too many thoughts, 
it just slows the entire process down. And I know from the bottom line, it's like, you want to get this apartment built. You want it to get at least like the longer that you sit with nobody in that apartment, the more money that you are just giving away, flying out the door. So the quicker that you can get your pieces and get your ducks in a row from a branding side is better and not having so many people offer opinions um, is key. So I think just choose maybe just a handful. You don't want just one person, but you also don't want 10 people, maybe three, you know, that way you have somebody that's thinking about it from a different perspective. You have the owner. I think the owner needs to be sitting in the room. Like you're the one that's paying for it, you know, so um, you need to be in the room talking about it. I wouldn't just be like, here, do whatever you want. And then it gets to the end and you hate it. I, I think that's a huge thing is sometimes the owner or like the main decision maker will take a back seat because it's just like, I don't want to worry about it. And I think a lot of the times what happens is great. You take the back seat. A lot of people and a lot of decision makers come in and tweak and tweak and tweak. You're finally at the end, whether it's you have your logo or sometimes even have all your pieces and you hate everything about it. And then you have, you start all over again, which right. you don't want to do that either. So, so that's I think really good. It's just at the beginning, identifying who in your organization can make the last call and then not putting too many people in. I think also to add to that, since I've been on some of these projects too, is having a point person to communicate with whoever your creative agency is going to be so that that feedback, let's say that there's 20,000 emails that are going back internally you're not, you're like, once you're working with your vendor partner, collective feedback to get it going is going to be quicker. Have you seen that to be true too? Definitely. I know one of the things that at Sprout we do is when we send, we send what we call a mood board. So that way we're not just like shooting off random ideas, designing a bunch of stuff that may not even be in the right direction, you know? So we try to mood board it out, give you some pictures because sometimes words get lost in translation. What Barbara thinks of modern I may think in a totally different way. So we need to like get it on paper, get some pictures so we can all see where we want to go. And I think we don't even start on changes until we get everybody's opinion because sometimes they might contradict each other or maybe there is an opinion, but like the owner's opinion is totally different. And, you know, they're going to decide where, what route we go, which is fine. You know, so I think we just have to kind of balance that out and we don't want to get to, we don't want to skip steps. Um, but we also want to move as quickly as possible. So the more collaborative you can get in your changes, the better and faster you will get in the long run. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I think that's such good advice because I do think that like what you said there specifically is as a group identifying what does modern mean to you? What does traditional mean to you? But not just in word. It's like, what does, you know, we had, I remember working with a client that said, I wanted to be sexy. And I'm like, okay, what sexy might mean <laughs> to you as a male and sexy to me is going to be totally different, especially when you're talking about a logo, right? So I think that's really important. So I guess to kind of clarify is know who your decision makers are, keep it limited to the essential people, consolidate feedback, and then really bring visuals to life when it comes to what does the brand look and feel like. So say you're there, now you've got this mood board, you've kind of decided on direction. You talked a lot about kind of changing and crafting what are the pieces that now go into this brand. And again, depending on this kind of property, it could be a million different things, but let's talk about where's the foundation. What do you start with after this step? So we start with the logo and the mood board, like I said, is an essential piece of that. And I, 
really stress when you're doing these logo projects, you want to see a good variety of ideas. And sometimes at Sprout, I will show stuff in the mood board that I know is maybe like not going to be approved, like a script font, for example. And I'll be like, here, what do you think about this? And sometimes it's good to say, you know, what you do like and what you do want to see, but also what you don't want to see. For a designer, you know, we always hear, you know, I want it sexy, I want it modern, I want, I want it to pop. <laughs> and we're like, I, what does that mean to you? Right. Does pop mean script? Does pop mean a pop of color? So I think being okay to kind of look at a mood board and don't be shy about saying what you absolutely don't want to see. If you don't want to see orange and you see orange in the mood board, like say, I hate orange, let's just nix it, you know, like, don't be afraid to give like that feedback. I find sometimes clients will see that mood board and they want to be so nice. And they're like, you know, I kind of like this and I, and I, and I may like this. And it's like, just tell me that you hate it. We're cool. Like, it's fine. Like if you hate it, let's drop it. And we move that way. When we start that logo process, you know, that's your foundation. And I don't want to waste your time designing something that you're going to hate. Like I want to really put all of that effort into building a bunch of great logos that you're going to love that give you a good variety that we can mix and match to find the right, you know, look for your brand. Well, and I have to say that you actually taught me that because I remember I had, when I was working on projects with you guys that I knew the client, I would say, don't include that. They're not going to like that. And you're like, no, but sometimes you need to include that to get them to verbally say, I don't like this so that then, you know, definitively what direction they want to move in, where if you don't include sometimes like that script font, let's say, or that color, they might always in the back of their mind wonder, well, would it have looked better in a script? But when you get that verbalization, it really helps like guide the direction. I do see people though, get very hung up on logos. Like I have seen this process take months, months and months. And I have been in a boardroom trying to go through 20 logos that literally virtually look the same. So what advice would you give to clients that get stuck in the logo process? I think we, you don't want to be in a constant state of development. Like I said, the longer your apartment sits with no residents, like the more money you're just throwing out the window. So I think just looking at when you get, let's say like a logo presentation with a bunch of different options, I think the key is the goal of that is to narrow it down. I don't want to give you more options. You know, like once we move on to the next step, like we're, I want to be able to narrow it down every single time I show you a presentation. So we maybe start with, sometimes it's route we start with only like three or six logos, you know, and you don't need a lot of options. Like if, if you do your job in the mood board and you give really good feedback, you don't need to see a lot of options when it comes to your logo presentation. So you go from, let's say six, Maybe we narrow it down to three and then maybe we'll narrow it down and provide a couple different, maybe color variations or something like that at the end until you can find your right one. So the goal is to don't try not to think so much of like, well, what if it would look like this? And what if it looked like that? I just kind of want to see if it looks like this. Cause yeah. I think it's, that's like, you're about to spiral down into nothing, you know, cause you're going to see so many options. So I think the goal is just look at it and really get a good vibe about like, this is what I want. Like, we're really close on this one. Let's just focus on this one and maybe one other option just to kind of see it against it, but know your favorites and don't be afraid to narrow it down so soon because the goal is to get you a great logo. And let's be honest, like we're not designing the Coca-Cola brand, right. <laughs> you know, like this is an apartment. Like we, it's, 
it's important, but we don't need to obsess about it. We just need to make sure that is this logo doing its job? Is it what's showing how you are unique? And if the answer is yes, and you only saw three options, then great. Yeah, I think you said really good stuff there. I think people think more options is better. And sometimes doing that legwork at the beginning, less options really helps you to narrow your focus and not get in that creative cul-de-sac that we like to call it. The other thing that you said that I thought was super important when it comes to the logo is that yes, it's important, but I promise that that will be the only time that you're looking at that logo with that level of um scrutiny like you once it's in the building and it's incorporated if it's if it's close to hitting your marker it's going to do great and I think that's you know where people yeah a lot of times like a logo will be the brand and it's on the building and so of course it's important like especially when you're bringing it into signage but just remember that like you said this is just one piece of many pieces that come together to form like a very cohesive brand and so don't get stuck there because that can just be such a time suck. And it goes back to, to having the right people in the conversation. So like this conversation that you're having about the logo, like owner, top creative people at your company need to be in that decision because a lot of the time, another big mistake I see is you'll try to edit before you show the owner. So you're like, oh, here are the logo options. I want to edit this around before I show it to someone. And we used to do that at Sprout. Like I used to fly logos by Barbara, you know, before I would send them to the client. And now it's like, you know what? If they love it, great. If they don't, great. Like, we'll And a lot of times forward. they would pick the logo that I hated. And it doesn't right. matter because it's not my logo. It's their right. logo. And that's, like you said, it really needs to appeal to the target market and the reality is is three four logos could work equally well for a building so you could put up you know one logo and another one could have performed really well if you did the research there's not one like soulmate for when you're thinking of logos there's not yeah, a i don't pick favorites anymore because my favorite never gets picked so. Yeah. <laughs> so i think that's really a good thing that's also not getting married to a design i think if you're not the final decision maker you want to go to bat for what you believe when it comes to, is it going to speak to the market, but also don't get so caught up and married to an idea that you take it personally, because with design, you just can't do that. So yeah. we've got a logo, we narrow it down, people are feeling good. What is another foundational piece? Floor plans. Your floor plans are, I mean, those are your bread and butter. That's what's going to sell this apartment. You know, I think the logo is a huge piece of that, but I mean, second to location, the actual layout of a home is a huge piece and you wanna be able to bring that to life and help people envision themselves in that apartment so they'll rent it. That becomes huge too. I found when you don't have an actual unit to show if you're in new construction or you're completely gutting units because you're rebranding the whole thing, people still need some way to visualize it. and. We joke in our industry that, especially with older units, you'll see the photocopy of the photocopy of the photocopy. And it just, remember to me, it's like every touch point counts. And if you're photocopying your floor plans to where they're hardly able to be seen, I mean, what does that say to your end user about how you're caring for things? So when a client is looking at floor plans and they're deciding between a flat dimensional versus a 3D or 2D, what, or, you know, with finishes, how do you kind of gauge that? My personal favorite is the, our, the, what we offer as a 2D plus finishes. So it's a flat, like two-dimensional floor plan, but it shows some of the finishes, like the countertops, the flooring, 
we can show furniture and placements like that. I think you don't always have to go for the big 3D plan. It's great, don't get me wrong, like it does help envision it, but I think our 2D plus finishes is a nice cost-effective way to do the same thing. Like I'm still seeing the finishes, I'm still getting a vibe for mm -hmm. furniture um, and how you can place things to maximize that space. And I think, I mean, that's what you want it to do. So you yeah. don't need to always go for, you know, the Prada bag when you have a great other bag that's yeah. just <laughs> that is black and is the same, you know? So. Yeah, I think that's where you really look at your budget and you say, okay, you know, this is 2D. If, if we're limited on budget, this is gonna be a great option. We may want to spend on nicer quality printing, or we might want to spend a little bit on some of the other pieces that we maybe couldn't have gotten if we went with the 3D plans. And we understand there's definitive budgets to projects. So even though you want all the bells and whistles, we don't either, you know, I think that's where as a creative agency, I feel we really stand out in that we're really telling you what's going to be what's going to make a difference. So a 3D is it, you know, if you're in a highly competitive market and every other competitor is having 3D floor plans, then you're probably going to want to make that investment. But, but again, that's not always the case. So I think that's really good to look at that. What about anything else? So they've got the floor plan. What else would you say? Now we do what we call a one pocket brochure, which is my favorite type of brochure because it can serve a good variety of different things. So it's one pocket. So that way you have an entire like flap that can give all the amenity information, but it's still a good piece where you can put in different paperwork that you print out. So whether it's the floor plan handout that you slide in there, maybe some information about rates and or leasing agreements or whatever it is that you can put in there. It's a good, easy piece that can give you so many different usage. So you can use it as a takeaway after a tour, or maybe you're at a housing fair. That's another good piece. If you want to invest a bit into some of those takeaways, you can use that again. Um, so again, just one of my favorites. It's a great multi-purpose piece that's easy to hold and not as expensive as let's say like a booklet or something like that. Okay, so I'm going a little off script because I know this isn't part of our essentials, but let's say that you don't have it in the budget to do that folder, what would you do as a secondary option? So as a secondary option, I would do maybe just like a good postcard, a postcard that has some pictures on the front with your logo and contact information, and then on the back, you know, some information about amenities. You know, it's all the, you know, all of your marketing pieces, whether it's a folder or a booklet or... <laughs> A postcard like they're all gonna have the same information I think you can fit that on a good size postcard like a five by seven those are really really cost effective and it's an easy thing to hold as well and if you want to do a, something even extra uh, maybe if it, you're using it as a marketing piece you could say like bring this in to get a special you know get your waived application fee like um, a so dual purpose. why they keep it you know versus just like looking at it and tossing it yeah, so it could be a dual purpose. I think that, and then I also think even like a very heavy duty type of a sales sheet. Again, depending on your budget, where you're at, how much information you need to get across. And I know that people say, oh, everybody's gone paperless. I still see that when people are shopping and they're doing their initial analysis, there is something about having a tangible takeaway. They might pick up six pieces and throw away after they're deciding and they're narrowing the search but there is a visual representation that people have. So when people say no, no more paper, I mean, I think it's definitely changing. I don't think it's 100% going away. Yeah, I think it's less, but 
you need to make the pieces that count. And that's, I mean, that's what this podcast is about. You need the things that are really important um, that someone's going to need when they walk out the door of your community, whether they're a prospect or, you know, a new resident that just signed their lease. Exactly. I love the folder though, because like you said, it's very multi-purpose, even for as a move-in packet, depending on how you design it, you can think long past you can think through marketing, you can think through, you know, retention, and now you have a really, a piece that can last for years and years. So what else would you add to your essential pack? A good business card. I think it doesn't need to always be like your typical employee information business card that has like title, your name and that such. It could be a marketing business card that has your a picture of your community or a couple pictures. And then some easy, quick notes about why your community is special with contact information. That would be a great leave behind at any sort of outreach effort or any business that you're distributing your materials to. Um, and also just a really good one to give to people who toured, maybe attach it to cute goodies, things like that. So I, I really think a business card that's small, compact, something that people may keep. And again, adding a nice incentive on there, like a special, keeps people wanting to save it so that they can use it down the road. Okay. Awesome. And I will say too, like I, we recently saw somebody say my leasing agent, when they got their business card with their name was so excited. So I know we, you, if you have a limited budget, you may not be able to, but the message it sends to one of your team members that they are, they're getting a piece of collateral with their name on it they're going to want to use it. They're going to want to pass it out. And it's really, um, it can be such an inexpensive leave behind. So I think that's a great one. Totally. What else do we have on our list? I think this is our last one, stickers. I think stickers are such a great way to make anything that you have branded. So you don't need to invest in maybe the water bottle or the bags or, you know, whatever. You can attach a sticker to anything, put it on a bag that you both order, ordered on Amazon, put it on envelopes that you send for your follow-up. You can easily put it on treats that you're passing out at the park for outreach. I think the key to a good sticker is just contact information. It doesn't need to be crazy, just your logo, a number, maybe your website. Yeah. And I think if you're at the beginning stages, when you're thinking through the sticker, you can think through multi-purpose since you might be ordering in bulk, like what stickers would we use for marketing? Which ones would we use for retention? And like you said, the contact information, just as long as they stand out color wise, they, you know, they, they've got a look to them. To me, a sticker can go a really long way. And if you're really, really limited on budget, a sticker is definitely the way to go. For sure. And I think the most common stickers that I see from our clients are, again, that contact one with just simple information, one for reviews. That's a really one that's popular because yeah. people will include the places that you can review and just smack it onto a package that's sitting in the office, you know, yeah. as a good way to kind of get inside the door of someone's home and remind them to do something that they need to be doing, like writing reviews for your community. So again, I think those two, I think, are the most popular that I see for stickers. Well, I think that today we've given a good kind of guideline on how not to get in the weeds that doesn't have to be overwhelming, depending on where somebody is in their project, it can be as simple or as complicated, they can come with any kind of level of inspiration. And when you're looking for a good ad agency, I think maybe what we could leave people with and when you're looking for somebody to be your partner, what do you think someone needs to look for when they're looking for a creative partner? I think you want someone that is going to be 
honest with you and keep you on track. Um, so when I say honest, I mean, you, you don't need the smoke and mirrors. This isn't a magic show. We're not in Vegas. Like you just need someone that's going to get the job done. That's going to do it quickly and do it at your budget. Like it's that, it's that easy. So we don't need, we don't need the printouts of the logos to show. I mean, like that's all good and fun, but like, let's be real. Like you just want to approve it via email and get on with the rest of your job. Right. right. <laughs> so I think just finding someone that you can really feel like be, you can be honest with as well too. You don't want to feel like you are stepping on their toes or you're not comfortable sharing your opinions. Cause at the end of the day, they they work for you. You're, you're paying them. So make sure that you can really feel comfortable to share your thoughts. And then, I mean, I always think do, business with someone that knows the industry. I think the most common thing I get from clients that work with us after working with somebody else is like, oh, you really know multifamily. I don't have to explain fair housing to you. I don't have to explain what a garden community is. You know, you don't want to waste time explaining things. Like you need to put the time in to get the results that you want and explaining a bunch of stuff about the industry is just... It's a time suck that you don't need. Right. I love that. That's so good. You know, I met one time with someone and she said, you can either sometimes go with those that are a hundred percent creative and everything is, I mean, this is a long process where you are having a ton of these in-person meetings and looking at mood boards and you're building all of that out. And if that's what the level that you're looking for, there are agencies that you can work with oh, there. Yeah. And then there's the other agencies where they've already have, you know, kind of a start of different templates that they're working with. And it just depends like what you're, you know, we're going for. I feel like with us, we've always been a middle of the road. We're very creative, but we're also very process oriented. So to me, I think one of the things that we get complimented well on is we marry the process or we marry the two. So it's like, it's going to be creative. It's going to be fun, but we're also wanting to get you to the end goal, which is to have a branding packet. That's going to help you lease apartments. And so I think it's just getting clear. I mean, one of the things to me that was very liberating is when we started to say no to projects that just were not going to be a fit for us. And so I think, like you said, being honest goes both ways. You know, a, a partner should be able to tell you if this is the type of project that they can get behind and how much they'll be able to devote to it and vice versa. So. Yeah. I mean, you want someone that's going to, to get you to the end and get you you there quickly. You know, I think, I think that's the key is you just don't want to waste time doing things you don't need to do. I think that goes for like everything, you know, it's like, why turn the wheels and be in a black hole of creativeness? Like that's, you're not going to, you know, you have to eventually use that brand. So we want to get you to be able to use it in the way that you need to right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited for people to see some of the examples that we've put together. So for those that have enjoyed this podcast episode, they can go to watchyourbusinesssprout.com. They can check out this blog related to this episode. I know we put together a ton of different ones that they can see, just get ideas for. And then we are going to be running a fun promotion for any branding projects through the end of July, um, where you can work with our team if this is something that you're looking for. Okay, Rebecca, any last words of wisdom? I mean, you've shared so much. I mean, just, it's tough out there. Hang in there. We're here for you. Exactly. <laughs> that's my I think that's the message. You always need someone on your side. <laughs> 
Exactly. That's our goal is to give you not only the knowledge, the information, but like real resources to how to shortcut some of this stuff. Cause the last thing y'all need is things to be extra stressful. So I'm so excited that you came and the puppies and the children were all quiet. So we recorded a hundred percent without interruption. <laughs> all right. We did, it. <laughs> we did it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time on another episode of marketing home marketing you. Bye.